This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. There are 400,000 children in the foster care system. Secular forces are trying to exclude faith-based adoption agencies from the process, this despite the record of success in finding loving homes for these children. Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel Matt Sharp talks about a new organization defending these agencies on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. The Lutheran Church in Missouri Synod is preparing disaster response as Hurricane Michael sweeps into Florida's panhandle. For information on the Synod's response, go to www.lcms.org forward slash disaster. That site is being constantly updated as information becomes available and has information on what individuals can do to help. The Reverend Philip Bearwolf, Associate Pastor of Emanuel Lutheran Church and School in East Dundee, Illinois, has been named the recipient of the 2018 National Lutheran School Accreditation School Shepherd Award. The award honors a pastor who provides outstanding encouragement, support, and service to his school and who articulates a clear philosophy of Lutheran education. Bearwolf was nominated by a validation team and then endorsed by the LCMS Northern Illinois District before being chosen by the Election Committee from among those nominated. Bear Wolf is well known in the manual community for preaching, teaching, visiting the homebound, and doing all other things that a pastor is called to do while constantly championing the school. Two women who received abortions at the Planned Parenthood facility on LaSalle Drive in Chicago were taken by ambulance this past July to Northwestern Hospital for emergency care for serious bleeding. Since November of 2017, at least six women have been hospitalized after botched abortions at this Planned Parenthood facility alone. Two 911 recordings were provided to Operation Rescue by the Pro-Life Action League and that revealed important information about the latest emergencies. Cardinal Blaise Kupich, who was appointed by Pope Francis in 2014 to oversee the Archdiocese of Chicago, said that it was not his policy to deny Holy Communion or Catholic funerals to people in same-sex marriages. CNS News has repeatedly asked the Archdiocese of Chicago if Cardinal Kupich supports the teachings of the Catholic Church that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered and cannot be approved under any circumstances. However, the Cardinal's office has declined to answer this question. Saudi Arabia has made unprecedented strides toward religious tolerance just a year after Jinyu ruler pledged to bring more moderate Islam to that Sunni kingdom. After a visit to the capital city of Riyadh last week, U.S. officials reported the country has reformed its religious police, who were once tasked with enforcing Sharia law on the streets and in homes, and has instituted new government programs to quash extremism. Fewer than 5% of the 32 million people living in Saudi Arabia are Christians, according to Pew Research. The government still does not sanction churches or any form of public worship by non-Muslims, but progress is being made toward allowing private worship and protecting the rights of minority faiths. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County. 
inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt. And we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Matt Sharp, who serves as senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, and he directs the Center for Legislative Advocacy. Recently, a new organization was formed, of which ADF is a part. Uh, Mr. Sharp, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and about this new organization, which is called, I believe, Keep Kids First? That's right, and thank you for having me. So I've been with ADF several years, uh, worked on a variety of cases dealing with uh, everything from public school students to religious liberty issues and conscience issues, and have been excited lately to start helping state legislatures, state policy groups, and others uh, utilize ADF's expertise on a variety of issues. And where we've seen this pop up lately is in the context of adoption and foster care providers, where unfortunately uh, several states have started targeting these providers that uh, serve children, serve families, and telling them that they will no longer be able to work in those states unless they compromise their religious convictions. And that's ultimately what led to Keep Kids First, was us and other organizations getting together and saying, what can we do to raise awareness about the important work of these organizations? Now, Keep Kids First was formed last month, as I understand, in late September. That's right. Uh, yeah, we've been talking about it and putting together some of the resources and, and officially launched it just a couple of weeks ago. And it is actually uh, a coalition of groups, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom as well. There's also the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission from, I think that, those are the Southern, Fa- Southern Baptists, uh, right. Family Policy Alliance, Family Research Council, their Heritage Foundation, and another organization called Wait No More. You're all six behind this organization. That's right. Let's uh, put the size of this problem into perspective. How many children are being adopted a year? There are currently about 400,000 children in America's foster care system. And of those, about 100,000 are eligible for adoption. And unfortunately, this is a a growing number, uh, largely as a result of the opioid epidemic. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of 
parents are getting caught up in drug addiction and are no longer uh, capable of taking care of their kids because of their addiction. And, and so these kids are being placed in foster care situations and uh, eligible for adoption. And so this is a, a very serious problem our, our country is facing, and a lot of kids are looking for forever homes, for stability, for a loving family to welcome them in. Do we know roughly what percentage of uh, children are being placed by faith-based agencies? Uh, it, it varies from state to state. Uh, there's some states where the faith-based agencies may be one of the, the largest providers and adoption providers in the state, and there's others where they may uh, be a much smaller percentage. But I think what's vital is in the overall scheme, faith-based agencies are, are really just one of a very broad and diverse group of providers in any given state. Um, you may have 30, 40 to 50 in a state, and you know, two, three, four may be faith-based providers that uh, operate consistent with biblical views of, of marriage and family. And also, I understand that uh, uh, one of the studies said that uh, that Christian parents without children are about twice as likely to adopt as others. Yeah, there is a strong uh, motivation among people of faith, and, and there's been studies that have verified this, that because of, of biblical teachings of you know care for widows and orphans, and uh, and sort of a strong. Uh, adoption network that a lot of churches are part of, uh, both in the states but also international adoptions, that it's a priority for a lot of Christians and, and especially families that are wanting children and may not be able to have them naturally. And so this has been a uh, largely untapped resource that in the past decade or so, faith-based agencies have really stepped into that and said, We've got this community that's very passionate about this, that's interested in this. They've got a strong support network. And what can we do to intentionally reach out to people of faith, to recruit them, to bring them into the system? And it's been incredible to see the response that they've had and how the faith-based agencies have found new ways to recruit families, to keep them involved, and uh, whereas instead of maybe fostering a child for six months or a year and then dropping out, they actually have long-term staying power. These families get into the system, bringing children into their home and staying there for years and years and years. Well, an anecdotal uh, case I'd like to bring up is there was a woman I know quite well. She was, uh, she is an adoptee. Uh, she's an adult now, but uh, her birth mother, whom she does not know and has not met, uh, apparently uh, rejected abortion, but insisted that the uh, that she be given to a Lutheran adoption agency and the agency took her and she was adopted right away and uh, as I say I know the woman today she is a, a lovely lady she is married she has a professional career she has two children of her own and she's very active in the church and her community uh, but again this was a thing where the the birth mother had the option of maybe aborting but chose wait there's an organization here that actually has my beliefs and my values and they will place this child with a family that shares this right and i think that highlights why we want faith-based providers as part of the diversity of providers in a state we've heard similar stories from other birth moms uh you know a jewish birth mom that wanted the child raised consistent with the jewish faith i loved the story of a, of a lutheran and i think that's important we want birth moms to have these options and we want them to be able to take into account how their child is raised what faith they're raised in because that can be the difference between 
a mother choosing abortion or a mother choosing life, and we want them to choose life. We value the life of that child in the womb, and we value them as they grow older, and that's why we want these systems in place and these providers in place to work with birth moms, work with families, and work with the kids to to do a win-win situation for everyone. One argument you frequently hear from uh, from pro-abortion forces is that pro-life people only care about children within the womb. They don't care once they've been born. This seems to refute that. Absolutely, it does. In fact, there was one statistic uh, that was looking at states that have developed uh, partnerships with faith-based providers. And what they found was that faith-based providers not only care about, you know, getting the child adopted in the first place, but they were working with churches and, and local groups to provide additional funding to the kids as they were growing up. So that the state may provide, let's say, a, a $1,000 per child. Well, churches and others would help support the faith-based adoption provider or foster care and provide supplemental funding to the families and children on top of that so that they could enroll in sports or have additional clothes or supplies for school. And I think that shows the commitment of helping the child, not just protecting their life and birth, but as they're growing older, as they are, uh, you know, going through high school and all of the challenges involved there of providing counseling and funding and everything to help them succeed in life. And I think that demonstrates the heart of the pro-life community, that it is, we care about life from in the womb until that person eventually, uh, you know, gets called home. And that is the, the importance of making sure that these adoption providers are there of, of caring for children after birth, of, of when they are looking for homes and maybe in difficult family situations and helping them find a loving family during a, a tragic point in their life. And we do have a situation where, where a woman is in the situation. She can go to one of these agencies and they'll work with her. They'll, they'll help everything from selecting uh, parents to letting them know what the options are, uh, even giving them a support. Yep, that's absolutely right. And we've heard great stories uh, about the counseling that these organizations provide as well. Um, it's not enough just to say, here's you know, a young child and here's an, your new family and, and then just sort of walk away. Um, that child cares, carries with them emotional scars, um, sense of abandonment from their birth parents. And, and the, the adoptive parents are struggling with you know, working with this child and helping them heal. And what many faith-based providers do is provide counseling both to the child and the parents of helping them work through this year-long process of, of adapting and healing and, and growing together as a family. And that just shows that this is not just about the adoption or foster care process, but about this ongoing care that faith-based providers excel at. And that's something that other agencies often do not, especially the state agencies, don't really follow through. That's right. You know, we, we understand states are swamped. Um, they've got a lot going on in their system, and, and unfortunately we hear stories of kids that fell through the cracks. And where faith-based providers come in is that they, they help those kids that maybe have been uh, needing additional attention, needing additional resources, needing additional counseling. The other aspect of this is we hear lots of stories about children that have the most difficulty finding homes. Uh, it's children with developmental disabilities um, or children where there's, you know, three, four, five, six kids and they're, and they're wanting to stay together and not split up these siblings. And again, faith-based providers excel at those. Uh, I think it was Catholic Social Services that a, a very large percentage of their adoptions were children with special needs. And, and they really believed it was their duty to help those children in particular because a lot of times they, they fall through the cracks or, or have trouble finding a family. And that shows the heart of what these organizations are doing, of, of making sure that every child matters, not just the ones that 
uh, may be the easiest to adopt or to foster care, but, but ones where there's challenges and helping the child and the family through those challenges together. And it's a really beautiful portrait of that care for life and that care for the needs and, and desires of each individual child in this process. And as of today, my understanding is the states of California, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Nevada, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Wisconsin are unwilling now to work with faith-based agencies because they, so many of them, which are, are biblically based, will not place with same-sex couples. These children now are becoming, what, collateral casualties, I guess, collateral damage in a culture war. Yeah, I, I think one anecdote on that is Illinois, when they made the decision several years ago to cease working with faith-based providers that were unwilling to compromise their beliefs. The statistics are somewhere between two to 3,000 children were, were displaced as a result or impacted as a result of this. Uh, that meant some of them had to find um, different providers to work with through the foster care process. That's too much. Uh, to, to have even one child impacted as a result of this is too many. But to hear the stories of thousands that were disrupted as a result of this hostility by the state of Illinois. And again, we're, we're not trying to deprive same-sex couples of their ability to adopt. What we want is more providers working to help more kids find more families. And because of that, we want to ensure that faith-based providers are part of that diversity, are part of the mix to, to recruit families of faith that, that may not otherwise be drawn into the system. That is ultimately best for kids because we have more people working to find more kids forever homes. Well, in the state of, uh, pardon me, in the city of Philadelphia just recently, uh, they had a total of 26 adoption agencies working within them. Two of them uh, were faith-based, Bethany and uh, Catholic Social Services. A uh, lesbian couple apparently went to uh, the Catholic Social Services and attempted to adopt. The Catholics told them that they couldn't help them, but did refer them to another agency that would. That wasn't enough. A... Uh, Complaint was filed, and uh, both of those agencies, the two Christian agencies, were then removed from the from the uh, from the pool. There were 24 others now that were more than willing to work with those people, but that didn't matter. What was really ironic was that the same week that the city announced that they could no longer work with the Catholics or with Bethany, they put out a an alert, uh, a, a, a call for a need for 300 new foster homes because of the opioid uh, crisis. Yeah. I, I, to me, that really demonstrates the hostility that the city of Philadelphia had to, out of one side of your mouth, say, we've got a crisis. We need more families. We need more providers working to help us out. And then at the other to say, except for you two, uh, we don't want you involved in this process. And, he, and I think one of the families particularly impacted by this had had, had a sterling reputation uh, of bringing kids into their home, of providing foster care services, and was impacted by this. And because uh, this family had had a, a long-term relationship with Catholic Social Services, and now they were going to be either forced out of the system or have to start working with another agency. And, and that just shows the hostility of Philadelphia. Why would you kick out these agencies? Why would you disrupt the families and kids that had been working with all of them if you've got a crisis going on? Well, it can only be because of hostility towards those traditional Christian views about what is best for a child, what is best for a family, and, and wanting to operate consistent with those views. Now, a number of states have acted to protect uh, faith-based agencies. I believe there are Alabama, Kansas, Mississippi, Michigan, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Texas, and Virginia. 
Does the Keep Kids First organization work with state legislators to try to come up with a solution to this problem? So what we're trying to do is, is provide a one-stop source of information for policy groups, for state legislators, as they are considering legislation to protect protect faith-based providers in their states. Uh, We know that for the states that have passed this, the nine states you mentioned, it was vitally important for them to be able to demonstrate why it is so important, the the work that these organizations were doing, but also the the harms, the risks that are out there uh, if we don't provide this protection. And you can find this, but it took a lot of digging and visiting websites. And what we wanted is, can we pull all of our resources, all of our knowledge to find one place where we can have stories of children and and parents and birth moms that have benefited from faith-based providers, of the research demonstrating the effectiveness of faith-based providers and the the, uh, challenges that are out there to faith-based providers in the states you mentioned, California, Illinois, Massachusetts, to show the need for all of this. And our goal is to provide a one-stop shop for legislators and policy groups to access this information and also a place where people can share their stories uh, with the world of how faith-based providers have impacted them. Well, I've been to your website, uh, keepkidsfirst.com, I believe it is. And you have uh, everything that you just mentioned is listed there. You have uh, everything from uh, extensive scientific studies uh, and reports on adoption to, to anecdotal accounts from people who were involved in such a situation. And the it is it truly there's a wealth of information out there, and I'm assuming this is something you encourage the public as well to uh, go to the site and learn about this. And this is one way that we can talk to our legislators within the state capitals and say, look, there's this problem. You may not be aware of it. Look at this. That's exactly right. Is that a lot of people maybe they haven't interacted with the adoption process much. Uh, maybe they've heard about it or have some friends do, but for them to be able to hear the stories, to, to see the research, to see the agencies being shut down. I think just a few weeks ago, uh, the Catholic services in Buffalo, New York, had to shut its doors as a result of uh, some new interpretations of, of New York law. This is an ongoing problem, and for people to be aware of this, to be talking about this, and to highlight how these government policies that shut down faith-based providers, how they harm kids, and that if our system should be designed with kids in mind, then we need to have policies and laws that keep kids first. And the best way to do that is keep as many people, as many organizations working to find kids a forever home. Absolutely, I think that's the case. Uh, but we're seeing challenges from groups like uh, the ACLU and Lambda Legal. Uh, pardon me, Lambda Legal. Why are they doing this? Well, number one, it's it's based out of animosity towards the religious beliefs of these organizations. Despite the fact, like you had brought up earlier, that uh, no one is being denied the opportunity to adopt in the state. Now, maybe they're not being able to work with Catholic social services, but as you mentioned, in the city of Philadelphia, there was dozens of other providers that were willing to work with this couple. And all we're talking about is one or two providers in, in, in a locality that are saying, just let us operate consistent with our beliefs. We're all working towards the same goal of helping kids find homes. Just let us do it consistent with our beliefs, and you can do it consistent with yours. But these groups are challenging that, and, and they're challenging Michigan's law that simply says every faith-based, every, every adoption provider in our state is free to operate consistent with their religious beliefs. We're not going to exclude you or discriminate against you on that basis. 
It's a very simple law that just ensures a diversity of providers in the state. But these groups are challenging and saying, oh, that law is unconstitutional and it's denying opportunities. It's not. It's actually creating more opportunities by having more providers working to help kids find homes. And, and so that boils down to why are they doing this? Because they don't like the idea that some providers are operating with beliefs that ACLU and Lambda Legal disagree with. But we're a pluralistic society. We ought to be able to show tolerance to a diversity of views. And that's all we're asking for is show tolerance and, and, and allow these faith-based providers to continue to help kids, to continue to help families, and don't let the government discriminate them or kick them out simply because of their religious convictions. Is there any indication that the federal government is taking note of the situation? There has been. There, there's a federal uh, bill under consideration. It's called the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. And I think it's, it's picked up several sponsors that it essentially takes laws similar to the one passed in Michigan or Virginia that you mentioned and says the federal government cannot discriminate against a adoption provider because of its religious beliefs or moral convictions. It can't deny it funding or licensure or anything like that. And so all it is is ensuring that the federal government and all of the agencies have to allow these organizations to continue to operate uh, without being targeted because of their religious beliefs. Uh, we'll see if that ultimately gets passed. We know uh, it's a very contentious time in D.C. right now, and I think that highlights why state legislatures ought to be looking at this. Um, they shouldn't just wait for Washington to act, but take the lead of these nine other states and consider laws that simply protect diversity in their adoption and foster care system in their state. Uh, Mr. Sharp, we're about running out of time. Uh, boy, this is a topic we could discuss for a long, long time on this program. Could you uh, just recap a little bit about what Keep Kids First is and how people can reach it? Keep Kids First, it's a coalition of various national organizations, all united, of keeping kids first by ensuring that faith-based providers are able to continue to operate and serve children, birth moms, and families consistent with their religious beliefs. So it's a one-stop location to find resources, research, stories about the important work that faith-based providers are doing across our country, and they can learn more at keepkidsfirst.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Sharp, for being on the program and shedding light on this, pro on this situation. Thank you for having me. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.